Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Do you own a motorhome, caravan, campervan or tent? Head to thatleisureshop.com for all your outdoor living essentials. Camping furniture, cookware, spares, e-bikes and more. Visit us in store in North Somerset at BS24 6RT or shop online and get free delivery on all orders over £150. Everything you need for your next outdoor adventure. Thatleisureshop.com. Enjoy the journey. Welcome back to the Motorhome Map Podcast. I'm Keith Gooden, and we're here every week giving you the latest tips about motorhoming and caravanning. I ask the stupid questions, but the man with the real knowledge is Motorhome Matt Sims. Hey, Keith, how are you doing? Uh, like I always say, all the better for being here with you. Oh, bless. Today we're talking about 10 tips to green out motoring. But before we get into that, let's talk about you getting in touch. Yeah, do. We're, we've had lots of people getting in touch, dropping us an email to team at motorhomemat.co.uk asking us lots of topics that they want to hear about. This is one of them, actually, where people say, well, what can we do to keep you know the cost of motorhoming and caravanning down? So that hopefully that's what we're going to cover off today. But if we can encourage you to leave us a review, we would love that. It helps spread the podcast awareness when people are searching for them. If you're listening on Apple, just scroll down to the five stars. Give us five stars, please. We love getting them. And leave us a comment. And it really helps promote the podcast and spread awareness. It exists. There are so few podcasts for the Motorhome and Caravanner. Uh, and this one is really flying. It's doing really well. And it's been an honour and a pleasure, hasn't it, to do it. Great fun as well. We always have a chuckle especially off mic afterwards <laughs> you should hear the outtake you should it'll be all right on the night <laughs> perhaps not <laughs> today we're talking about 10 tips for greener motoring uh, so matt uh, let's uh, start with the, uh, the first one on your list here keeping your weight down yeah it's a problem with too much cake <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you're not being personal are you no, no, I'm not. Well, sort of. I mean, your own weight's a factor, of course, but I'm talking about the stuff that we have in our motorhome and our caravan. Trying to keep that to a minimum. We're going to do a podcast episode on payload and what that is. So we're not going to get into that today, but using common sense to keep the amount of stuff you're taking with you is really obvious. And that's going to have a massive bearing on the amount of fuel that you use. Fuel costs have gone through the roof, haven't they? Fuel is not going to come down in price. Otherwise, how are we all going to be encouraged to buy an electric car? That's my cynical view but there's another topic so watching the weight that you're carrying is really important i remember emptying an rv that we owned a big american thing it was massive it weighed about eight and a half tons so it was a huge thing and we sold it and i was emptying the lockers and there were six house bricks in the bottom of a locker <laughs> why the heck have we got house bricks and we put them in there they got buried but for a barbecue so we could have one of those little disposable barbecues on the grass without leaving a mark. And, and we had six of them in there, and we'd obviously just kept adding them. <laughs> so we ended up carrying the house with us, literally. So keeping on top of those lockers, emptying them out regularly, do you really need to take that kayak that's got a leak everywhere with you? You know, get it out, get it fixed and take it, or leave it behind. But bear in mind, the amount of weight you carry is going to have a direct effect on the amount of fuel that you use. So that I know that's really obvious, but... So often we don't do it, myself included. 
Number two on our list is driving smoothly. So, yeah, driving smoothly. So accelerating like mad and then braking as you come to a traffic light. It's just you're, all you're doing then is burning fuel and turning. Your braking is basically being turned into brake pad wear and heat. Uh, so it's not efficient driving at all. And again, this seems really obvious, but I challenge you to practice it and try it. When you approach a roundabout, trying to time your arrival at that give way line at the roundabout, which means you don't have to stop. You're in the right gear to get onto the roundabout. Now, I trained as an advanced driver of a car and then more recently as a motorcyclist, an advanced motorcyclist. There's a, a model of driving called IPSCA, which is IPSGA, Information, Position, Speed, Gear, Acceleration. And those are all, I'm not going to bore you with what that means but you can go and google it and it's really worth reading up on it's all about taking in all the information around you so what's happening at those traffic lights ahead is there someone stood at that pedestrian crossing does that mean they've pressed the button therefore the light is likely to go red therefore you can ease off the accelerator and anticipate that's going to happen and use the engine to slow you down if there's no one stood there and there are yellow boxes on the lampposts well they're probably not going to go red although you can't guarantee it they might have run off but you could probably assume it's safe to proceed at the speed you're going at being mindful they could go red at any time and therefore you're not having to whack the brakes on and you're not going to be accelerating up toward the light so it's trying to brake efficiently and accelerating smoothly that will make a massive difference to your fuel consumption another thing people do wrong going down a hill is they'll be brake 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 just change down to second or third gear and actually if you let the engine rev you're using no fuel now, that sounds odd, doesn't it? The fact the rev counter has gone up to 3,000 revs. You're not using any fuel. So modern vehicles have an ECU that means they can run the engine without using any fuel from the fuel tank. And also, you're not using your brakes. So you're not wearing your brake pads, heating up your brake discs, which then in turn makes them less efficient. So there's lots of driving practices you can adopt. We'll cover a few more, <clears throat> which will make your driving much more fuel efficient and generally less costly. In the olden days, we used to call that engine braking. It's still called that, yeah. Yeah, some things don't change, Keith. <laughs> Number three on the list, getting the gear right. What do you mean? So being in the right gear. I see people very often, you know, revving up through the gear range and you know, they're just burning through fuel. There's really no need for it. Now, I know in a motorhome, you're on holiday, so you're far more relaxed. And motorhomes generally are driven very lightly. And actually, this can be an expense to the motorhome engine. Um, they don't ever get hot enough. And there is a fine balance here. You want the engine to warm up so that the EGR valve warms up and the diesel particulate filter warms What's up. What's the EGR? It's the exhaust gas release valve. So this is a little bit of the engine where the output of the smoke from the engine, let's call it smoke, the carbon deposits, they go through this EGR valve and, the, and, they, and it can coke up and block. Mm. And the same with the diesel particulate filter there are two these are two elements of a used motorhome the first question i ask of a motorhome that's done maybe 40 or 50 thousand miles is have either of these been attended to replace fixed service whatever because they can go wrong and they can be very expensive so a dpf can be two thousand pounds it's an expensive bit of kit to replace people do find when they uh, drive small cars they're just around towns that egr blocks up and, and and they have to have an expensive replacement i've heard though that if you run vehicles at 70 75 miles an hour or, or on the motorway that, that 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 unblocks it is that an old wives tale no it's true you need to get them hot so get them warmed up and get them run in nicely and do that often and it's short trips are the killer that's what causes the problem so as long as you're getting the engine nice and warm that is less likely to be an issue but being in the right gear it doesn't mean what you're wearing 
This is about the gearbox. I've never been in the right gear. <laughs> That's true. Look at, look at what you're wearing today. These are pyjamas. You've got my dad's shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's really important and that's going to help you drive more efficiently and yeah a- adopting what we're talking about earlier engine braking so as you're approaching a hazard I was taught to drive by my grandfather who was a driving examiner he was known as the major and he failed more people than he passed 49% of his students passed the rest didn't and he was formidable locally and known as I say as the major and people oh no I've got the major <laughs> and he taught me to drive in a week Uh, And I passed first time, as did all of our family that had him giving us the lessons. Um, And he was formidable and a very proud advanced driver. And after I passed my test, he said, right, now I'm going to teach you to drive. And we went off for two weeks through a school holiday. uh, And every day we took motorways, A roads, and I really did. We even did a skid pan. So I learned how to drive in a skid, uh, driving backwards at speed, learning to do a J turn. I mean, why do I need to know that? brilliant though but then driving in the snow if you lose control I was able to gain control of a car and and that's where my passion for driving came from I think is from from him so being in the right gear really important approaching a roundabout being in that hazard gear and he always talked about third gear or second gear being a hazard gear so changing down to that gear the revs go up you've got far more control over the vehicle being in that higher revving and you're not really using any fuel if you're just letting the engine rev to brake you and checking your speed is next to on the list. I suppose if you've got your gear right, your speed's going to be right, isn't Not it? Not necessarily, no. I see people changing up too early. You know, you get that horrible noise as you're in the wrong gear you know in fourth gear too early and that's not good for your engine at all so trying to work in partnership with the engine and really learn to feel when it feels right to change gear you know if you're putting the engine under duress you're doing something wrong either you're in you're in fourth too early or in second too late being in the right gear is going to make a massive difference to your fuel consumption and to your servicing costs you know you're not going to wear out the small end bearings or the valves which are what causing that pinging noise a good driver you've driven the same vehicle for a long time you say hopping in a motorhome uh, for the first time all engines are calibrated differently as far as gearing is concerned just get in there drive around and learn about the gearing for a little while before you hit the open road yeah learn to learn to feel it i mean it sounds weird but you do get a feel of when you're driving well Uh, And if you're towing a caravan, it's going to be different again to when you're just taking the kids to school. And towing a caravan changes the dynamic of a car engine and gearbox significantly, depending on what the car is. I mean, I drive an old Range Rover, and that will tow anything. It's amazing. I mean, I can feel it on the back of the car, a caravan on the back of the car, but it, it doesn't really change the MPG of the car, but they're built to do it. Now, I've heard the next one on the list before. It's number five. I'd appreciate it if you explained to me why it makes a difference. Your tyre pressures. It does, yeah. Well, having a tyre pressure that's too low is going to wear the tyre out much more quickly and having it too high is going to do the same. So if you look at your tyres and look at the wear, if they're wearing out in the middle, so there's a strip in the middle that's bold, you're you're over-inflating them. They're too high. And equally on the outer edges tyres too low maybe you've got an inside edge that's wearing well that could be the tracking or a problem with the suspension now there's lots of debate and discussion around motorhome tyre pressures you know what should it be and there's always a maximum pressure on the tyre wall now there are some great apps online that will tell you tyre pressures manufacturers of the motorhome bear in mind of course the van that it's built on was a van when it was built by Fiat, Peugeot, Citroën, Ford, whoever. And then a company's got hold of it and made it into a motorhome. So motorhome tyres are different to van tyres. They're often referred to as camper spec 
tyres. Now, they have a different tread pattern and the sidewalls are thicker. Those are the two primary differences between a camper van or motorhome spec tyre. Michelin and Continental are the two main manufacturers of them. And those are the two that I understand and have managed to wean two differences between that and a cheaper van tyre. Now, you you could put a van tyre on your motorhome. Uh, Lots of people do. They aren't going to have the same wearability in terms of tyre wear uh, on the sidewalls because motorhomes sit around for long periods of time at a much fuller weight than an empty van does. So a van not being used is normally empty, therefore much lighter. A motorhome is always going to be two and a half or three tonnes or whatever it is, and it's always it's going to sit still for long periods. So the tyres are stronger, and the tread patterns are designed for all-year use, you know, cold roads, warm roads, sunny weather, and so on. The tyre pressure is really important, and that is led entirely by the weight of your motorhome. Now, that's going to vary depending on if you're a single person or a family of six, much like it does on your car. You've got different tyre pressures for when there's two people in it, or when there's six people in it. It's the same with a motorhome. So you would need to research the weight of your motorhome and then search the make of that tyre online and they will tell you, the manufacturer of that tyre will tell you the pressure you should run. Now, motorhome tyres tend to run at a very high pressure. People are often scared by 70 PSI. You know, we're used to putting 36 in our cars. They will happily run up to 70 PSI. And depending on the tyre, there will be a maximum PSI on the sidewall. That doesn't mean that's the pressure you should run it at. You should run it at the right pressure for the weight of the vehicle so do that research go and weigh it on a weigh bridge cost you a fiver uh, and then you can find out what time pressure you should be running switching off the air con now I, I remember many years ago and it wasn't so long ago when no cars had air con the last 20 years if you haven't got air con you just don't buy the thing at, <laughs> at all but it does burn fuel it absolutely they do significantly so as many as several miles per gallon we're just used to being on aren't we that button that turns the air con off have you noticed it started to disappear? Yes, yes, it as, has. As, as travel times reduce it, in our cars, or it's more difficult to find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and some motems as well have heating in the back that you can run from the engine, uh, which is lovely for your passengers in the back. Or when you arrive, it means the back of the motorhome is lovely and warm. Uh, the challenge there, of course, is you're using fuel. So if you don't need the aircon on, you don't need the habitation area heating on, then consider turning it off. We're doing 10 tips for greener motoring on the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden, and Motorhome Matt Sims. Uh, We've reached number seven on the list. I suppose this one seems quite obvious, isn't it? Looking after your vehicle? It does, yeah, but how often do we remember to get it serviced? You know, new oil makes a tremendous difference to an engine. It's like lifeblood of the engine. The cost of dropping the oil and putting you in is so insignificant, I think, compared to the value of the vehicle. And and you should consider doing it. I do it every year uh, on our hire fleet. Certainly, we, we do it every year. The recommendation is, you know, every two years or there'll be a mileage requirement, 24,000 miles. I, I, I'm personally a fan of changing the oil more often than that. Checking the brakes, checking that they're, you know, very good condition. You never know when you're going to need them, you know, as a matter of urgency. So just keeping it serviced, back to tyre pressures, keeping, check them. You know, how often do you check your tyre pressures? Well, that's very true. I mean, I do see some people uh, in the petrol station going and checking tyre pressures of their cars. And you think, oh, that's a load of old hassle. I must do that, though. <laughs> you never get around to it. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, it's true. It's, it's, it's easy not to, isn't it? Things like roof bars as well. If you've got a roof rack on the, on the camper van or motorhome, uh, or even bikes on the roof of your car, yeah, that's going to make a massive difference. So I see people all the time driving around with a roof box on. 
I've said something. Are you off on holiday? Oh, no, no. We got the roof box on the car. Oh, yes, from last summer. And they've been driving around for nine months, you know. <laughs> and you just see fuel burning through their pockets, you know. That makes a massive difference to your fuel efficiency. So look after it and it's a really sensible idea in terms of getting it serviced and maintained. Number eight on the list, planning your journey. I suppose the amount of miles you're doing. Yeah, don't get lost. <laughs> the number of times we've driven off, taken a wrong turn, and an hour later we're back on the route. You know, missing a motorway junction is really annoying, especially when there's a queue ahead. Yeah, it's just planning it so you are aware of where you're going. Sat navs, we have some real fun with. We use an app called Waze, which I love. It's, re- it's a great sat-nav app, and then we've got an app on, on for use with your motorhome caravan journey, and, and, and that's one of them. But it does take us down some random roads. Yeah, sat-navs do tend to assume that you're driving a cinquecento, don't they, when it, <laughs> when it comes to the size of the road? Well, so, some you can pl- plot the size of the vehicle you're in, which are great, um, which is dead handy in a motorhome or with a caravan. Uh, that's really important. But it, it is taking some time before you hit go, you know, that green button on the screen is actually look at where is it taking you. Just plan your route based on what you want to see. And, you know, do you want to travel on the motorway or do you want to stick to the A roads? And just take some time to plan it. And again, it will have an impact on your pocket. Yeah, and that sat-nav will have a range of different routes that it can provide for you at just a press of a button. Indeed, don't, yeah. You don't have to take the first one. And if you don't want to use the motorway, then make sure you tick the box and don't use the motorway. The sat-nav usually uh, plans your journey for the shortest amount of time, not necessarily the shortest amount of miles. That's true. Yeah, toll's the same. You know, if you, if you don't want to pay a toll, then you know, tick the box that says no toll roads. Number nine in our list, switching it off. Isn't that obvious? You switch it off when you arrive at your well, destination. Um, yeah, you do, of course. Although not necessarily. I mean, in a, in a motorhome, uh, you might turn it on to charge the battery in the in the habitation area. So a leisure battery is recharged off the engine, and if it's gone flat, you need to get charge into it. If you haven't got an electric hookup uh, to plug into, then you would rely on the engine battery to recharge the leisure battery. But you know, so often we see just vehicles sat there with the engine idling, that is using fuel unnecessarily. And if you're in a long traffic jam, don't be afraid to turn it off. Modern cars, can I say modern? <laughs> hate that word. But you know, newer cars have start-stop technology. Mm. Yours has got it. Yeah, it's next to a little battery. And yeah. when you reach traffic lights, so the engine will switch off. That's right. And when you first get a car, a vehicle like that, uh, it's a bit disconcerting. <laughs> but then when you, when you press the clutch down... It starts. It starts. Yeah, or turn the steering wheel. There's lots mm. of things that will trigger. Sometimes they come on on their own because the heating in the in the vehicle kicks in. And it's like, why have you started? I haven't done anything. But it's just the heating's kicked in and it needs some more power. Um, but if you, if you don't have that, and even if you do, you can still turn it off. But remember, of course, the act of restarting it without using a start-stop starter motor, you do need to think about how long you need to drive it to recharge the battery. So if you're going to keep stop, start, stop, start, and you haven't got stop, start, your starter battery is going to be put through its paces and you could flatten it without driving half an hour. Absolutely, because I said with the stop, start, start technology in, in vehicles, it is an, an additional battery. Third battery, as, as yeah, an extra battery. Un, yeah, under yeah. the bonnet. I say third, it? but I'm thinking about a motorhome. But. Yeah, you are. I lie there at night. I don't count sheep. I count eldest motorhomes. You should see the magazines under his bed. Uh, we're doing top 10 tips for greener motoring on the Motorhome Map podcast. The last one, you've cheated a bit here because it's not one. You've got four in here, so it should be 14 tips. You only gave me 10. <laughs> Can you take us through them then for the 10th? Well, we talked about turning your aircon off. 
but actually consider closing your windows. So you, sh- you shouldn't drive a motorhome or caravan with the windows open in the back. People do drive with the roof lights open. I understand why. They've either forgotten <laughs> uh, or they've opened it because it's hot in the back. I get that. What will invariably happen is you'll arrive and the roof light has taken a leave of absence. You've left it on the M6. It's blown off. So closing them is a good idea, but closing the windows in the cab is also a good idea. That will affect the aerodynamic nature of the vehicle as it passes and down the road at whatever speed you're going. So consider closing those. At slow speed, not a problem, but at high speed, you know, definitely worth closing your windows. So what else should we be thinking about when you're parked up? Why should you face the sunrise? Well, I read this somewhere. I can't remember where I saw this. I thought, that's a genius idea. And I actually do this in the winter at home. So park your vehicle and you do this in the car facing the sunrise if as, assuming you, you want to get in the car in the morning and if it's frosty your car will thaw out without using the heater in the car uh, isn't that clever that is good thinking <laughs> it's a genius idea um, and i do it at home i i park the other way around well i know it's going to be frosty and I, sure enough come out in the morning my car's thawed out the neighbor <laughs> scratching it with his credit card <laughs> And, of course, uh, the sunset is at the back of your motorhome as well, so you can sit well, there with your glass sit, of wine enjoying it. Sit and enjoy it, absolutely. But, of course, if you're away in the, in the winter, you've got the heating on it, so it's not going to freeze anyway. Mm. But the other factor then, conversely, I know this as a seasoned motorhomer, we wake up and open the blinds around the windscreen, and we've basically got Niagara Falls on the windscreen on the inside all the condensation yes. and that we've learned is prior to departure so on a day we're moving on we will open those blinds early and we have had to resort to a tea towel or even a karcher uh, like a, a windscreen sucker do you know what i mean like yeah. like one of those blades and it sucks the water up they're a really clever idea although you have to be careful when you use them because you can tip the water out being mindful of that is a really good idea and get that cleared before you want to drive off otherwise you're sat there with the engine ticking over blowing hot air all over the windscreen trying to dry it and another thing to be aware of with the water on the windscreen if your airbag sensor module is below the windscreen which it is on many Ford Transit or Fiat Ducato vans I don't know which models off the top of my head be mindful that water can run down the windscreen and can cause that to fail giving you an airbag light and it can cause other electrical issues the lights stay on lots of random things happen so that water runs down the windscreen into the ECU or the airbag module and can cause complications so a way to stop that is to use silver screens on the outside of the vehicle, keep you warm at night, and will minimise, it won't eliminate, but they definitely do help minimise the water on the inside of your windscreen. I didn't expect to talk about that today. The very last thing in our top 10 tips for greener motoring, uh, we've talked about gearing earlier on and getting in the right gear, but uh, you've got here changing gear earlier, you've added down the bottom of the list. Yeah, d- just don't be lazy with the gearbox. Again, it's about learning the rev range of the vehicle. You know, Don't rev it too hard. There's no need to. Get it warm, certainly. And if you want to rev it hard, then fine, but it's costing you money. So just consider if, if you're in a flow of traffic, you can maintain and make good progress by changing gear a little earlier. As an advanced motorcyclist, we're taught to ride in the middle third of the rev range of the bike now that's about keeping control of the vehicle now when i first started doing this i was criticized for changing up through the gearbox too quickly and i I was keeping the revs down because i thought that was sensible and then my instructor said no you want to get it up into the middle third of the rev range now that definitely uses more fuel 
But on a motorbike, of course, that's a bit different. That's about keeping control of it. And it's a very different vehicle to driving a motorhome. If you're in a set of twisty bends, like we were on the weekend driving around Snowden area, uh, then being up in the gearbox was really good. I wasn't using the brakes. I was able to use the engine and I was able to keep much closer control of our, we were in a VW camper and it was brilliant. Manual gearbox, I had complete control. But consider if you're on a motorway, getting up through the gearbox and remember if you've got a sixth gear to use it's so easy to forget because fifth gear is pretty comfortable if you've got a sixth gear remember to use it fuel efficiency that's why the sixth gear is there is for fuel efficiency is it, it is yeah. yeah yeah well that's it our 10 tips for greener motoring uh, thanks very much uh, matt you're welcome for, for this one what should people do uh, little buttons they should press uh, for youtube uh, to get the ding, ding, ding. Well, if, <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, then please hit the subscribe button and the little bell, and then the gods of YouTube will tell you when we've got a new episode coming out. Remember to follow us on Instagram. You'll find us at motorhomemat.co.uk and on Facebook, we're motorhomemat2. Do you want to ask me a question about motorhomes, caravans, campervans, or the travel industry in general? You can suggest a topic for a future episode or ask me a specific question about your leisure vehicle or just say hi. Simply head to motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash ask Matt and send me a voice message or write to me using the form on the page. I'd love it if you're nice, but you don't have to be. We will play and answer your question in an upcoming podcast episode. So listen in to hear yours. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com.